creativity is contagious. And the more people that are practicing it and doing it, so the more it's just going to pass on to other people. Creativity is here to stay. That's the first thing. It's not a passing fad. And the second is you have to believe in yourself. Go down that rabbit hole. You know, ask those questions. Figure it out. Don't just accept things for what they are. Are you seeking to broaden your horizons? To stay relevant and become future fit? Do you want to fuel your creativity and inspire innovation? Or are you simply looking to put a kapow back into your business? Then look no further. Join Carmen Murray, entrepreneur, innovator, and tech fundi with her big personality and presentation style as she interviews celebrities, alchemists, newsmakers, and business experts to discover the stories behind their success. The Carmen Murray Show will open your mind and help you turn knowledge into magic. Let knowledge be your superpower. And now, from Solid Gold Studios, here's your host, Carmen Murray. Future Fit Tribe, before we start today's episode, if you are looking for more inspiration, visit my column on bizcommunity.com where I unpack the burning marketing issues that businesses face today. You can sign up for our Future Fit Masterclasses at booyah.co.za to build connected customer experiences and also check out our other cool services. Last but not least, don't forget to book your tickets to our regular FutureFit networking events aimed at helping you surf the tsunami of change. The events bring fresh perspectives with tour de force speakers and thought leaders as we debate, learn, inspire, connect. Tickets always sell fast, so book your ticket today. All the links you need appear in the show notes of this episode or on the website. Hey everybody, welcome to the Carmen Murray Show. Super excited to have you back. Today we are going to unpack a conversation and I think we all need to have and I am privileged to have a few experts in the room and we are going to talk about the future of creativity. Now I am going to announce to you that we have Lana Leah Roy, we've got Mark Hitchevich and Taryn Marcus with us in studio. So I'm going to go around the room and I'm going to ask them the question I always ask. If you were at a party, and I had to say, what do you do? What is it that you do? Lana, take us through it. So hi, Carmen. I would say I'm a creativity catalyst or creativity alcoholic, or rather creativity-holic, <laughs> as my kids say. Mom, is that all you talk about is creativity? <laughs> so I have a company called Goats to Unicorn, where we help companies instill a culture of creativity and we help people in the company to reignite their creativity. And I must say, for the past 20 years, I think it's just been an experiment or it's just been practice for where I am now because I think I finally found what my passion is. And they say, Carmen, if you, you must do your passion, if you follow your passion, you will make money. That's so and true. And what I've noticed is that passion is actually different to a gift. So where I might be a gifted singer, I can tell you this much. I don't think I'm going to make much money from that or carry on. But what I am, what I do believe is my passion for creativity 
is leading me in the right direction and has helped me establish Goats to Unicorn. So I'm going to ask you another question. Sure. The name. So Goats to Unicorn actually comes from the movie Despicable Me. The father says to the little daughter, she goes, look, look, I found a unicorn, daddy. And actually, it's just a goat with one horn. And he breaks it to her very like nicely. He says, dear, it's actually a goat with one horn. And she just like gives him these teary eyes. And my thought was, you know what? Why couldn't it be a unicorn? You know, let's be creative. There doesn't only have to be one thing in terms of an answer. And that's where the name was born. And also a unicorn is, think of, billion dollar company or a company that can make a billion dollars within three to five years. So it's also taking you from zero to hero. I love that. And, and I love that businesses are born that spur of the moment. Booyah was the same. So I relate to that. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. Well, Mark, tell us what is your elevator pitch? I'm actually a creative entrepreneur. I was CEO of a creative agency for 17 years and we conducted assignments literally all over the world. But like everything else, sometimes you get bored and tired of things, especially when you're ADD like I am. So <laughs> I'm busy with some new projects as well, one of which is a collaboration with Goats to Unicorns, which has got me so excited. Fantastic. And what is getting you so excited? Is there anything that you want to share with us like behind the scenes that we oh, know? You're going to have to watch this space, but it's called Creative Dine. Yeah. And it's a methodology of teaching creativity through food and cooking. Aha. Uh -huh, so we're going to unpack that, I'm sure. Taryn, what's your elevator pitch? Come on, you're at a party. You look like a party girl. <laughs> Obedient one. Oh, no, I doubt it's the haircut that makes you think that. So I'm a behavioral specialist and I've spent the last 15 years in corporates seeing how creativity actually comes about through structure, which is maybe a little bit counterintuitive to how people perceive creativity. But my view is that with structure actually breeds innovation. And I'm sure we'll unpack it as we go through the conversation today. So I'd like to share some of those views with your listeners as well. Fantastic. Lana, tell me, we are currently in, in a state where we have so many buzzwords going around, right? So everybody talks about collaboration and everybody talks about creativity and everybody talks about industry 4.0. Everybody has so many things to say about so many things, but somehow we're losing the essence of the basics, the things that are so important that we need to know. So creativity is something that we're so imaginative when we're little human beings, and then it just gets lost somehow. What is the state of creativity? What causes this? And just give me a bit of context. Okay, so my actually course that I run or the workshop that I run is actually called Reigniting Your Creativity, Finding Your Five-Year-Old Self Again. And where does this stem from? So about... 30 years ago, there was a professor, George Land, from NASA. And when he used to take in or when people came into his NASA program, the astronauts, he would give them some form of a creativity test. Because obviously you want to make sure if you're stuck up in space, you know how to get down or you know what to do. <laughs> so for some reason, he decided to do a study and give the same test that he gave his astronauts to five-year-olds. And those kids scored a 98% creativity genius level. He then decided to do a longitudinal study. And again, they wrote the test at 10, same kids, and they dropped already to 30%. Wow. The next at 15, they were down to 12. And finally, as adults, when he did the same test with these now adults, our creativity genius level has dropped to 
Sure. So the problem is what his conclusion was actually is that we've been educated out of creativity. We start off with creativity in the schools, but we end up as adults with a lack of creativity. And now I'm talking about creativity as a skill and I'm not talking about creativity as a gift in terms of the ability to paint beautifully or to make a table up beautifully or arts or drama. I'm talking in terms of innovation and disruption. Okay. First question, what do you mean by that? So what is the difference between having it as a gift and the skill? So the gift is more, and I'm not going to go into too much details, more the neuroscience between the right brain, left brain, and which one is more dominant and, you know, that you have those type of attributes. Whereas a skill is something that you acquire. Yes, we start off with the ability. And, and let me give an example. If you're a little kid and you go about and you put your fingers in the plaid, you're curious, you want to find <laughs> out more, you go and put your fingers in the plaid. But what does your mother or father say to you? Don't do that. You know, mm. you, you're going to. So what do we start doing? We start losing that skill because we're scared now. If we put our fingers in the plug, this is what's going to happen to us. So creativity as a skill is more around this called hypofrontality, which is more around this dorsal frontal cortex that we have in our just between our brows. And it's about that muscle that is actually tightened in a way because life has told us don't do this don't do that and in case you do that don't do that mm. and we have to actually widen that muscle we have to let that muscle become a little bit relaxed in order to start getting our creativity as a skill going so it really is a muscle Taryn, you obviously work with this whole behavioral science and so forth what is your points with regards to that so I think that absolutely, Lana, is correct. I think that what you often find is that if we go through from early stages around recruiting into a workplace, you know, we often say we want to recruit for something different. Yet often from a recruitment perspective, we will use assessments. And when those assessments give results, the person who's recruiting often is drawn to people that are just like them. And so you land up recruiting the kind of everybody being the same. A lot of the grad programs that have run over the years, you know, will specifically go and look for something different. But what mm. will happen is that you come in from a grad recruitment point of view, we've done something really exciting and creative in terms of how we've gotten them into the business. And the moment we get there that the business almost lets them down because the moments they get there and they maybe they come dressed slightly, not quite the corporate norm or the likes, we start kind of trying to fit them into the box. Mm. So mm. we say we want you to be different, but, you know, let's show you how quickly we kind of reward those that are like us or do the same things at us. And we're not often open to something that is different. So, you know, I think that as you say, as people get closer and closer to, to corporate, we've created a fear around mm. being creative. And so, that for me is what, you know, as you're saying, parents kind of knocking, you know, the hand, you know, don't do that, don't do that. We breed this fear in people to actually do something different. Interesting thing for me is we had Timothy Maurice Webster a few episodes ago. If you haven't listened to it, do listen to it, where he was specifically talking about this whole thing about sameness 
Herman Singh, who was the head of innovation for MTN, we're also having this discussion. Is like this is why diversity inclusion is not working well within organisations because of this whole thing of sameness. We employ people that we like, people that are exactly like us, and when we collaborate and we we sit in a room, we sit next to the people that are exactly like us. So our thinking and the way that that thread goes through is not really understanding of diversity inclusion. Mark, you come out of the creative industry, right? Yeah. How does this work in an environment that flourishes with creativity? Do you find this to be a challenge? Definitely. I think that it's it's a real issue at the moment. And I think the biggest problem is that the whole learning system and the working system is based on convergent thinking, where I think the skills that are needed now is based on divergent thinking. So the difference is massive. You know, just going right back to the basics, when you look at kids at school and you tell them to do a creative essay, the problem is the teacher will give them a A4 piece of paper and a black pen and tell them they need 10 verbs and 10 adjectives and three paragraphs and a topic that's very narrow. And that's not creative thinking. Let them write with whatever they want. Let them write on whatever they want. Let them make it as long as short or short as they want. And I think that's where the problem actually starts. It's right at the beginning. And I think that's one of the things we are looking at is actually targeting kids in schools and kind of changing the the way that they view things and and do things. Fantastic. Another question I have for you, Mark, maybe you could give us some thoughts on that or maybe ladies, if you feel like you want to interject. Innovation and disruption is a word that's so overused. Like we say disrupt and we put this pressure on people to always feel that they have to disrupt. But do people really understand what disruption means and what does it mean to who? The clients and to, you know, the, the consumer and to the people working there. I mean, like one of the things is like you employ a person to work for you to do a specific task. And now all of a sudden you come in, New Year's started and you say, hey guys, this is the year of disruption. We have to disrupt. And you put all this pressure on people because they feel like they have to come up like with NASA spaceship and transcend to a different universe. So how can we start changing them that kind of mindset of innovation disruption? Stop putting that pressure on people to perform and actually get them to become creative and teach, as you say, the skill of creativity. The very first thing is that whatever your disruption is or your attention of it is, it's got to be objective led. So that's the very first point. You've got to decide what you want out of it before you even start. And then the second thing, I think you've got to distinguish between a positive disruption and a negative disruption. Mm. A negative disruption you don't want because that's disruption for disruption's sake. But a positive disruption can often have a positive outcome that will kind of align to your objectives. I like that. Give me an example of positive and negative disruptions. So a negative disruption would be to disrupt just for the sake of it. So you exactly the example where you spoke about in your previous statement, where you become the 1st of January and you're changing things in the company without any purpose or direction. And a positive disruption would be something where you are doing, for example, a product launch, for argument's sake, and the way that it's been done before has generated a return of sevenfold, and through a disruptive and intelligent approach of using disruption theory, you can get it up to a 15 or 20-fold return. Mm, I like that actually quite a lot, and I think it's so important that, you know, one needs to really define, as you say, the structure and what that structure needs to be in order to have a positive outcome. 
One of the the things that I really trying to understand today, and maybe you ladies and Mark, maybe you can give me a little bit of context, is everybody's saying the future of work is creativity. And you know that machines are going to take over our jobs. I was saying to one of my friends the other day, you know, it's so ironic that we say machines are going to take over our lives and yet we have become the machines. We are the walking dead professionals of our time and we're just like, you know, just walking along doing our thing because we're so busy being busy. One of my clients actually said to me, don't ever say to me, you're busy because it's just a buzzword. Mm. I'm like, I'm really busy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and it's true. And, and we're not spending enough time being creative. And what concerns me about that is the human connection. I'm worried about that. Creativity is important, but how are we as human beings finding ways to connect with one another face to face and and having better, meaningful connections? I mean, what is your opinion on that? So firstly, my opinion on that is the world is changing. The way that we communicated and that we were brought up in the way that we are used to communicating, I think is our world. Okay, I'm not giving away my age here, but <laughs> this is, I love people. I love communicating. I love working with people face to face. That's definitely my world, but I have two teenager kids and I can tell you, we don't share the same world. My children communicate 90% over their telephone, Snapchat, WhatsApp, Instagram. And often I'll say to my daughter, you know what? Why don't you make arrangements? Why don't people come over here? But Ma, I don't need to. I'm chatting. So I think we have to accept as parents that the world is changing. Is it right or is it wrong? I don't know yet. Only time will tell. Our Generation Z will be the ones to change and see how they communicate. We've just got to think that things will be different and will never be the same as we have been used to. And then just to speak about creativity in terms of AI, the one thing that AI or artificial intelligence won't be able to replace is creativity and emotion. So that's why they are just upping the skill to one of the top skills needed because machines won't be able to come up with new ways of doing things. I might challenge you on that. We actually had Godfrey here a while ago and we were listening to some AI chatbots and stuff that really sound like us as human beings and also the cognitive ability that it can pick up on your tone of voice immediately. I mean, I'm sure from Taryn's background as well, it can pick up your tone. There's actually scripts and movies being written by AI at the moment. So creativity based on the machine learning and how quickly it can process data, I wouldn't say... 100% 100% can't be us because our neural networks and how it works yeah. and the explosions of uh, Stephen Johnson speaks about chance favors the connected mind and an idea comes from a thousand explosions within your neural network. So AI would probably never be able to replace our creativity, but it does have like the ability to lead us, to on, a lead us on a path. Yeah. 100%. It'll lead us and uh, give us some attributes that we probably need, but I don't think it will ever be able to replace it as Mm. such. Mm. But again, that's my opinion, actually in a number of different opinions from different sources. Yeah, But I think if I can chime in there, I think that it is around humans with AI and not necessarily instead of. So I think it is that fine line. But I think to your point is that for me, creativity can only happen where there's trust. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whether or not humans will ever trust 
AI in order to then be creative, I suppose, is quite questionable. And if you allow me just to hop around a little bit, because we've spoken about quite a few things already here that I'd just like to chime in a bit, is that a bit around talking about how, you know, from the school all the way up into a working environment, is that what we are not necessarily always good at doing is teaching the skill around collaboration. Mm. Mm. And collaboration, I mean, you know, in a school system or even in a work system, we often see with remuneration and reward programs, you know, we recognize the individual. We don't actually reward for collaboration. And creativity, in my opinion, can only come when there is collaboration, because that's that whole point around, you know, having diversity work. Well, that means that you're accepting of different views and different perspectives. So it doesn't talk about race or gender as it is around different thinking. But one's race and one's gender, of course, does color in how one thinks and how what one brings into a working environment, into a school Correct. environment and the like. So I think that where education needs to move towards is around teaching our children how to think. Uh. So to Mark's point around, you know, do you say write an essay and here's the three paragraphs and here's the piece of paper, but it's actually around how do we teach young children and, I, and I've got two little ones myself, but it's around how do you probe their thinking. So when they say, oh, look, mom, there's a blue car. Well, what do you notice about the blue car? Not, oh, yeah, but did you see it's got four wheels and you give them the answer? But how do you actually encourage them to think differently? Well, do you think a car can only go on the road? You know, no, I think it could also go into the water. Well, do you know that's called an amphibious car? And so how do you help get their thinking beyond just kind of in a block? And to take that into a corporate space is that what I often say around job descriptions, because, you know, you often, and and I'd like to believe that as things have progressed, we've stopped saying it so much, but, you know, people often say, oh, that's not my job or it's beyond my pay grade. I hear that quite often. Um, (laughs) But I think with job descriptions, I think that there's an element of structure that's always required. But how I try and encourage our teams to write job descriptions is that Mm. it it must be the block with which people can stand upon, not with which it kind of boxes them in. So you need to have that freedom within the framework. You know, you've got to have that kind of basic structure there in order to breed creativity. And I use this example often when I run induction programs is that if I had my two young children here with us today in the studio and I said to them, look, please be quiet for the next 40 minutes because mom's going to talk. They'll tear this place apart. They'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll come in. They'll, they'll drive us all nuts. They won't be able to contain themselves. Why? Because I've given them no structure. Like, Just be quiet. I mean, that's not a great instruction for a child. It's not a great instruction for an adult either. <laughs> but if you, <laughs> but, but if you, but if you say to them, we're here in the studio and here's books and paper and pen and draw mom a picture of the four of us sitting here today, you know, suddenly they've been given boundaries within which to play in and they can start then they know where to push beyond that status quo so I didn't you know that can start drawing on your wall they could start but I've given them some basic structure because I think structure is important because when there's just too much freedom it can be to your point disruption for disruption sake it, it can create anarchy but just giving those basic guidelines that basic structure I really believe can breed creativity. I love that. It reminds me of Picasso where he says the art of education comes from the art of destruction. The other day, just by the way, we had the Goliath brothers and they were sitting here and Donovan is like literally like you almost find a fence by it, but he's like doodling. And I was like, is he not into the conversation? And he's like, listening wise and I'm like, he's not, he's not saying anything. And he's just doodling and doodling. And then after the show, he actually wrote, I am Carmen Murray. And he was doodling us and he was busy doodling 
me and, and it was just such a cute thing and I was just like oh my I don't know there was a monster in there as well but my point to that is I know so many people that draw while having conversations because it almost like it latches their thinking mm. they can actually contribute and become more creative mm. because mm. of it you come out of the advertising industry mark I mean surely would you be able to validate that or what is your opinion more of the creative space than strictly advertising but yeah I think that you know, the whole issue around, for me, getting back to like the creativity part, is in two years ago at Davos for the World Economic Forum, the third most needed skill in business leading up to 2020 was described as creative thinking. And I think that's critical to kind of move forward. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. So I'm going to give you a quick test, Carmen, just to test your creativity now. Okay. Oh, yes, here we go. <laughs> so, I'm going to get like zero out of ten. In 10 seconds, because we don't want to waste time, too much yeah. time here, I want you to name me as many types of ships as you possibly can. And the time starts now. The Titanic, the Carnival Cruise Lines, the Symphonic, the Disney Cruise Lines, the Princess Cruise Lines. You're um, brilliant. Okay. okay. So you've done well. In 10 seconds, you've probably named about five different ships. But yeah. now I'm just going to... I worked on the to... ships. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But now I'm just going to throw a spanner in the works. What goes on the water stays on the water. Hey? Don't go there. <laughs> so if you listen to actually the question I was asking is just name me any types of ships. I didn't necessarily ask for ships on the water. So you automatically ah. went towards that. So you gave me great a number of ships that go in the water. But what about submarines? What about spaceships? What about airships? And then what about friendship? What about <gasps> championship? Now, if you ask a kid a similar question to this, they're younger, they will get to those type of things. They will say those. But we have been conditioned or our thinking has been conditioned to believe that the first thing that comes to mind is ships that must be on the water. Mm -hmm. So that's just a quick example of what actually is happening, what has happened to our creativity in that we have this convergent thinking approach. And just to go back to that where Mark was talking about the kids and the creative writing, nothing has changed in the work situation. We arrive at work, we get told or we get a new job, we get told what time to start, what time to finish, how our output of the work must be, what we must do, how we must have lunch, how we must dress. And then they put us around a boardroom table and they say, right, everyone, let's be creative. The problem is, or let's think out the box. And then the people sit there like, huh? Mm. The problem is they really can't. It is not their fault. And I think I tell this to people in their courses and they feel like they take a deep breath and they, sure, it's not my fault that I'm not creative. It's just that all our thinking has been converged. And now we need to give them the opportunity to practice divergent thinking. And divergent thinking is coming up with lots of different solutions. But the one thing that why people cannot actually or do not feel comfortable in partaking in creativity is a thing called psychological safety. They did this whole survey with Google and they said, you know, what is the biggest thing that's preventing people from being creative? And following on Taryn's points is that it's the psychological safety. Mm. It's that people feel judged all the time. People don't feel comfortable to give their opinion. So it's easier to sit back and just to say, I don't know, I can't think. So that's the first thing that needs to take place. And thereafter, Creativity is infinite in the skills that we can start teaching people how to acquire those. And the important thing is, is to give people time to think. I think that's the fundamental big problem with innovation because the innovation model says that you're supposed to have a 70-20-10, right? 
and 10% of your time should be spent on thinking. So how are you helping organizations to manage their time with their teams and getting them to be more creative and thinking more creatively? Okay. So firstly, I think one needs to understand the context, which we've unpacked here a little bit is what's actually happened to our creativity. Because mm. that's the first thing that people don't understand. So that's the first thing I cover. The next thing is I've developed a methodology, what I call the creativity code. And that is a code that actually starts teaching people or practical examples of how to start reigniting this muscle. And what it is, is going back to your five-year-old self. So let's think what characteristics we had as a five-year-old self. So let's take number one, the C, which is curiosity or challenging assumptions. We've stopped doing that now. We're just accepting the status norm. But if you think mm -hmm. as a kid, what do they say? Why? Why, mommy, do I have to brush my teeth? Why, mommy, do I have to sit here and be quiet on the floor for 40 minutes? Why do I have to paint with paintbrush? Why can't I paint with my hands? So that's what they do as a kid. So that's the first thing that we need to do is start challenging an assumption. So let me give an example. One of the challenges I have is how do you get children to drink more water? So if we're going on this code, the first thing we do is challenge assumptions. First of all, why does water have to be in a liquid format? Why can't it be in a gas or a solid format? Why does water have to be tasteless? Why does water have to be colorless? Why does water have to be in a bottle? Can it not fall from somewhere? So we throw out crazy ideas. And if you take most challenge or problems that exist, you can probably start challenging assumptions. And I'll just give you one example. Let's say, Carmen, why do we have to serve food on a plate? Because my mother told me to. <laughs> this is exactly what's happened. Our mothers and before that their mothers and we were told that we must eat with a knife and fork and on a plate. But you know, those restaurants, they are totally innovative now. They are cracking it and becoming mm. these top restaurants are ones that are being creative in the sense that they're challenging assumptions. So why do we have to eat on a plate? We don't. They're starting to say, Serve food in banana leaves, serve food in cones of chocolate. Uh, and this is where Mark is brilliant. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my God, I can't. So we had a uh, load shedding yesterday. For our international audiences listening, so here in South Africa, we have what they call load shedding. And then our, our power goes off. Now we're on stage four. So that means we were like over 10 hours, if I'm not mistaken, without power. So uh, no power. And I was thinking to myself, if we had to lose power and we had to lose the internet and some asteroid hit the water and the internet disappeared underneath the water and the fiber optics and all of those things happened, would I be able to survive? Would I be able to farm to have food on the table? So I think, Mark, that leads to what we were discussing when we opened and you said you're going to give us a little bit of background on something big that you're working on. So maybe lead us into that. So Creative Dine is very exciting. We believe it's the first of its type anywhere. We're going to be teaching the code that Lana's referring to, the creativity code, through cooking and through eating. So a combination of both. And the reason why it's so cool is because it treats all five of your senses. Mm -hmm. So it's structured as a three or four course meal, depending on what timing is available, and allows the participants to really use the code to unlock and reignite their creativity. I love that. I actually don't eat fish. 
Noted. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so the, 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 that one sense won't go well. Two, maybe three. I don't know. Anyway, but um, we had a, a exercise, one of the companies I worked for, and we had a sushi experiment where we all had to make sushi. And although I cannot stand the smell of it, how it feels, everything about it, because my dad gave me fish cakes when we went to a gala at school. And I ate it and we were in the sun and we were in Durban and I got food poisoning and I was sick, 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 sick. So every time when I smell it, my mind goes back to that. So we can't even cook it in the house. Anyway, they had the exercise and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to run away. I have to get out of this building. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And can I tell you, it's one of the best experiences that I've ever had. And also creating in this creative circle together and doing this, it actually made it fun because I wasn't preparing it for myself. I completely forgot that I was working with fish. Wow. Okay. That's a big story. So, so Carmen, the next time we do one, you are our guest. I will be, but if we, we can avoid fish, it will be great. Promise I, no I fish. thought I was as the psychologist brought in here now to deal with this. We have to wheel a couch in. <laughs> the title of this series is called Nothing is as it seems. So we might be serving you fish, but it won't be fish. How's that? That sounds like a Michelin star experience. 100%. This is like a Michelin star experience. Even better. I we got to be it. creative. It's not Michelin star. It's going to be some other star. We yep. got to think of a new creative way. And why yeah. does it have to be Michelin? Yeah. Because everyone thinks Michelin is the way to go. And that's, we all fought into that. So that's, yeah, that's one of the challenging of assumptions. So how can people get hold of you? So if they would like to do one of these exercises, I mean, we would obviously put some show notes for you guys out there. So if you want to hear more, but just to wrap it up, where can people get hold of you guys? If they want to participate in any of these activities. So I'm contactable on Marcel, which is, can I give the details or would you yeah, want yeah, to give yeah, them no, later? No, so it's 082-376-1377. Or you can email me at Lana at goats to unicorns. That's the number two, not T-O, goats to unicorns.com, not .co.za, just to be specific. So that would probably be the best way to okay. get hold of us. All right, fantastic. Well, in closing, I would like to say something. If you had one parting thought for our audience out there to stimulate their creativity, what would that be? Maybe, Taryn, you can start. I think the thing that comes to mind straight away is from something I read by Richard Branson, and he always talks about the ABCD, and it's always be connecting the dots. And I think that that's what we have to start encouraging from the youngest all the way, you know, youngest age all the way up into a corporate world is, you know, go down that rabbit hole, you know, ask those questions, figure it out. Don't just accept things for what they are. Lana? I recently did a post called Creativity is Contagious, and the more people they are practicing it and doing it so the more it's just going to pass on to other people. That's my feeling. We've all just got to start empowering ourselves with the skill of creativity. It's like any muscle. It's like any diet plan. If you go to a dietitian and you want to lose weight or you want to get a six-pack stomach, you're given a diet and you have to stick to it. And the same with developing this creativity muscle. It's a plan and that's something that the code I teach and you have to keep working at it. It's not something that one day you're going to wake up and you're creative. It's something that really can be worked on Mm. and everyone has the capacity to be creative. I love that. Just to sum it up, it's a skill, not a gift. Mm. I love that. Yeah, speaking to that, I think creativity is here to stay. That's the first thing. It's not a passing fad. And the second is you have to believe in yourself. 
I think that everybody is born creative. I think that with an organization like Oats to Unicorns that actually unlocks and reignites your creativity, that believe that you've got it in yourself and that you can take it forward. I love that. And, you know, if you think about it, it took nine months for us all to be created in the womb. So we were created by a, a creator of some whatever we believe in. So we need to recognize that, that we're all creative human beings. And I believe that, that it's a skill. Hey, guys, I just want to say this has been absolutely incredible. And thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. And I think that it's very valuable for our audiences to take that back and to learn that the skill of creativity is something that can be taught. So well done to all of you. And I'm very excited to see what you guys are up to. And please keep us posted. Thanks, Carmen. And thanks for having us on your show. You're more than welcome. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now. Mm. Bye. our amazing audiences around the world thank you so much for your ongoing support please take a moment to review and rate your favorite episodes which will help others find us you mean the world to me and i thank you for being part of my journey to get people future fit bye-bye you've been listening to the carmen murray show another solid gold podcast for show notes and more episodes Visit solidgoldstudios.co.za slash Carmen Murray.